0: In this issue, the
1: runaways are headed to TV, the Power Rangers to comics, and there's at least a couple of Blue Beetles waiting in the wings. Plus, Resident Alien returns. We discuss the issues of the day, the days of the issue, the something, something dark side, and with our usual aplomb, a helping of pop culture news and our kick butt poll of the week like sands through the hourglass. So are the podcasts of our major spoilers. And it's on the air.
0: Welcome to Issue 691 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing this episode with a friend. Yes, what does the MST3K say? Keep circulating the tapes. Keep circulating the pods, everyone, because that's how we grow, and that's how more people find us, and more people enjoy the uh, the stuff that we bring you every week. And speaking of uh, things that we're bringing you, here's Rodrigo. Hey.
2: What's going on with you, man? Oh, you know, losing
0: at Overwatch. Oh, okay. Well, what are you? But you're like level nine hundred or something. I'm still at level seven.
2: Yeah, I'm but the thing is like you can gain levels by uh either being good at things, at which point you get multiple XP bonuses per game, or mm-hmm. just by grinding. So I've just been basically I I've never played uh FPSs before, so I'm just learning as I go by being shot at. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. Yeah, so fun times.
0: On the plus side, I finally broke level ten on the Pokemon Goes. Oh nice uh matthew you got to catch them all don't you what's going on with you man
1: uh i had to run for five hours in the desert uh steal five exotic cars and now somehow i have to fly an airplane sideways between eight different buildings if i get a hundred percent completion i get
0: a super prize oh okay ashley uh do you have to do any <laughs> of that crazy stuff in uh in the uh, greater la area
3: uh, i do not i mean i live in the desert I live in a chaparral, yeah. which is technically a sub-Mediterranean climate, but right now it feels <laughs> like the desert.
2: Wait, what did you get up to, <laughs> <laughs> Rodrigo? You were really hot this week too. A uh,
0: hundred to 100 degrees up there this past weekend. Uh, it
2: uh, over here, it, it like it tapped a hundred. Um, the thing is, it's interesting because it like it doesn't get as hot here as it does in Kansas. But now, I a lot of my job involves working outside, so it's it's kind of. Like, everybody's like, oh, my God, it's 85 degrees. And I'm like, that's nothing. But then also I'm like, oh, wait, but I'm outside. <laughs> so it sucks. <laughs> uh,
0: all right, everybody. Uh, everyone is here. Let us get to some news this week. On on the news list this week, we've got uh, the MacGyver trailer has arrived. Invincible, the comic book series, uh, is ending. And The Runaways no. is coming to Hulu. Let's spin that Wheel of Destiny. Let's see where we land. One, two, or three. There it goes right there on number three. Uh, Marvel has announced that they are working to adapt the Brian K. Vaughn series, The Runaways, and is teaming with Hulu to do it, not Netflix. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. What do hmm. you guys think of this news? We've been saying for years, Rodrigo, that uh, that Runaways really should be a TV series.
2: Yeah. Or, or, uh, or you know, when, when talking about uh, Runaways movie, we've brought up that it would probably be a much better tv series mm-hmm. it interests so i'm a big fan of runaways and i'm a big fan of the first volume of runaways which is almost certainly what they would do here um mm-hmm. but that all just gets uh, uh hit by a train and sidelined by the fact that marvel is partnering with hulu to do this as opposed to this highly successful other partnership in a streaming service that they already have that that to me is like like just sends up all kinds of all kinds of flags. Like I'm I'm more interested in that side of things.
0: Yeah, what's going on with that, Ashley? Is that a weird indicator that they're not teaming with Netflix on this, or are they just uh, spreading it around?
3: Um, I don't think so. For me, it's an indicator that it's not MCU as we know it. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvel is a little fractured in that most of it is what we like to refer to as the MCU. Some of it is some of your Sony. I'm going to use some a little more in that sentence. Um, And some of it's over at Fox. And for me, this just screams that uh, Runaways is a pretty mutant-heavy team, so it's likely that it is tied up with the X-Men rights. Mm -hmm. And if that's true, then I understand from a branding perspective why you want to keep it away from Netflix because, dear God, don't let it sully the good name of Daredevil over there. Um, And if it's not, and it's this inhuman thing, then I'm just perplexed. Um, as to why it's not. But I think Hulu Hulu is a really interesting company to me because mm-hmm. everything they do is fairly reactionary to what uh, Netflix does. Uh, Amazon is kind of the same thing. And this is their big genre grab uh, in your superhero-ness. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot of legitimacy with landing Seinfeld. So if they do Runaways and if it is successful, um, and hopefully the Gossip Girl crew is the ones to do it, she says, having never watched the show. I <laughs> um, haven't yeah, either. But it, you know, if it does take off, this could be something that really defines Hulu's original content because mm-hmm. I don't know if any of it is looked on that fondly.
0: Well, I, I certainly know the eleven twenty three sixty three was a uh, Hulu series, and that was yeah. really good,
2: and it so, was well received. Yeah,
0: and what, who has got? Uh, oh, I guess it's Amazon that has Man in the High
2: Castle. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah Hulu Hulu mostly has managed to secure a lot of rights to uh, like to other things right mm-hmm. they were they brought us misfits they bring a lot of anime that you can't see in other places mm-hmm. except uh, except for uh specific anime uh services they have all so- the
3: mtv shows i know
2: They have the Mindy Project. Yeah, Yeah, the Mindy Project. Oh, yeah. And that's the other thing is that they are uh, continuing shows that the networks aren't picking up by basically just absorbing them themselves, which is, I I believe, what happened with the Mindy Project, correct? Yes. Uh,
3: Yahoo did that, too, with uh, your community there.
0: Yep. Yep. Community Season 6. Matthew, do you have any reaction to this news?
3: I
1: think this is an example of Marvel doing what they do in comics. Marvel has often said, we will charge what the market will bear. And I think this is an example of uh-huh. we, will, uh-huh. we will put out as many uh-huh. shows as the market will bear with as many people as possible. And, you know, somebody said something about the end of uh, Agent Carter in the MCU. And they said, look, we can't just make more. Somebody has to come to us and say they're interested in airing it. And I'm wondering if maybe it wasn't Hulu coming to them and saying, hey, you guys make these shows. We'd like to have one of your shows. What do you got? Um, As far as mutants go, you could literally erase the word mutant uh, just by changing, what's the youngest, the little girl's name? Molly. Molly. Changing Molly's backstory by one word and boom. Oh, for sure, for sure. You're out of mutant territory. But I think that this is a story also that will play, much as I think Jessica Jones did, and I hope Mm -hmm. Luke Cage Mm -hmm. will, to non-superhero viewers. If you look at, like, Daredevil, Daredevil is something where you're like, yeah, I love this, but it's clearly a, a superhero story. Runaways is not. Runaways is, yeah, kids with weird superpowers, but, I mean, it's no more superpowers than what I've heard about some of the kids in Stranger Things or your yeah. Luke Skywalker or even some of the kids that you're seeing, you know, on regular television shows with unusual abilities. Right. You know, what's, what's that thing, the Tomorrow People that was on for, like, 12 minutes, so—
3: I ah, another great. Robbie ML joint that was unsuccessful. Mm-hmm.
1: I uh, want to see this show, and I want to see it done well. And by well, I mean if you cast me some skinny child as Gertrude Yorks, I'm going to be highly irritated. Mm-hmm. Are, are you mm-hmm.
0: concerned, mm-hmm. Uh, Ashley, you had said with uh, Josh Schwartz and Stephanie uh, Savage, or Savage um, uh, producing <laughs> this show?
3: Um, um, I'm not. I'm not necessarily concerned. Um, Gossip Girl was not a show I watched because I'm not a fashionable person. Um, I'm pretty much a jeans and t-shirt kind of lady. Um, <laughs> you know. But I know a lot of people love that show. I know it was very successful, and I understand why you're like, hey, we have a story about teenagers. What was a massively successful show about teenagers played by 20 year olds? Uh, Gossip Girl like that's a pretty logical choice I just don't have any it wasn't like when uh what's his name Denite there came on to Daredevil mm-hmm. um like he had a certain amount of clout in superheroes before taking on that position of showrunner um you know and it's always it's always my concern when people who work primarily in your quote real life urban stories um step into genre because it's a completely different type of storytelling even if it is something like stranger things is told in a different way than like the mindy project is so Mm -hmm. you would hope that if they make a successful show that they can do that again but when it's something very precious to you uh, and runaways is precious to me it you know you have your fan concerns based on that which are can be baseless a lot of the time.
0: They can yeah. be. Now, the other thing that's really weird about this is um, Variety, I, I don't know if they broke uh, the story, but they said Hulu's not giving a series commitment to this yet. They want to see a script, and they, they will probably go for a pilot. The um, press release that that Marvel sent out like two hours later says nothing about uh, pilot or greenlit or anything like that. It's just basically like, hey, it's headed to Hulu, like it's almost a done deal that mm. it's going to be a series mm. and they don't say it's going It'll, to be a series they're just saying hey it's going to hulu
3: well when was the last time it wasn't a done deal when was the last time they actually flopped like not even something that we didn't particularly like but true yeah you know i think i think they can say that with a certain amount of confidence because now you can slap the marvel brand on anything and people will herald it as the greatest superhero movie of all time
0: you know i want to talk more <laughs> about both of those points that you made in there later in the show, because it was something that I was thinking about earlier this week, both of what Matthew said about what the market will bear and, um, people will just slap a name on it and we'll buy it kind of thing. I want to talk about mm. that a little bit more uh, later in the show, but anybody, any other thoughts on, um, on this series? I'm excited for it. I want to see what they do with it. And, um, and I, keep I the I dinosaur. it comes out
1: soon. Old keep, lace. Yeah. yeah. Keep the dinosaur. Keep the powers. If you gotta ditch anything, ditch Chase. That's that's all I've got to
2: say. <laughs>
3: <laughs> ditch the white kid. I like there you that. Go.
1: All right, everybody. Well, and not not just that he's the white kid; he's the terrible kid. Yes. Which well, probably keep. If you we don't do like you him, I
3: recommend I recommend reading uh, Avengers Arena. Oh, does yeah, he, he get killed? His, he
0: gets his
1: comeuppance.
3: Woohoo! <laughs> <this>. Kill <laughs> the Chase!
0: Yay! Yeah, yeah. yeah, I read Arena. It's about the only time that book was good, right? <laughs> That's an okay book. Be nice that book had some interesting art here and there okay uh listeners you can head over to majorspoilers.com you can check out these stories and a whole lot more and you can head over to our patreon page majorspoilers.com slash patreon uh this week you're going to find uh some bonus content where zach rodrigo and i sit down to talk about the bbc's most recent top 100 films of uh of the 21st century it's an interesting conversation you're going to want to go and check that out. It's over at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Uh, news is done. Let us do some reviews. Uh, Rodrigo, man, I think yours comes out in a couple of weeks, too. Why don't we start with Ashley? Because yours is the most recent stuff and everything else comes out in the future. Tell me about sure. Kubo, Kubo and the two strings. I went and saw this movie and I loved it.
3: So Kubo and the Two Strings is this really neat movie brought to you by Laika, who Mm -hmm. you should have heard of, but you might not have. They uh, broke making Coraline. They also followed up with Paranorman and uh, the Box Trolls last year. And Kubo, I would say, is inarguably their greatest offering to date. It is a stop motion story of a young Japanese boy named Kubo. And he's got one eye, and there's a reason why he's got one eye. And he's got this guitar with two strings. And when he tells you stories, this origami paper comes to life and acts out uh, what he's telling you, and that's pretty cool. And then some terrible things happen, and he goes to possibly another version of his world, and you get to see his magic uh, grow and expand, and you get uh, a fairly typical hero's journey, and you learn that everything that has happened to Kubo up to this point uh, was based on who his family is and who mm-hmm. his parents were. And that really is the least of it.
0: Yeah. And most importantly, and, who his grandfather
3: is exactly. And it is stunningly beautiful. Uh-huh. All of Laika's stuff is really well made in that traditional stop motion style. And Kubo, I think really takes a lot of it to the next level. They take a lot of really big set pieces and they do a lot of illusions with water and um, I got to go to their studio last month, and they actually have a rig that makes the waves move. Oh, cool. And uh, uh, so much of it is practical, and so much of it pays off in just a really visually stunning way. And then the fact that the storytelling mirrors that same level of care and that same level of dedication to the craft really is just a wonderful end product. My only criticism um, of the movie is that it is a Japanese tale, very obviously, and while they have some really cute Japanese voice actors who make cameos, the leads are all uh, Caucasian actors. And some people I know don't have a problem with that as far as voice acting because the person's not on screen. But, um, I mean, I would make the argument that I can list off, you know, four Asian people who could have gotten the job done. Oh, yeah. Uh, but as far as the quality of the movie goes, like, it's it's one of the best movies I've seen this year. It's the best all ages movie i've seen this year maybe a little scary if you have really little ones uh i would have been freaked out when i was five years old but i think it's a great movie for your whole family and i think that it's a refreshing reminder in a world of sequel boots Mm -hmm. what film can really be and why it is such an important medium in contemporary storytelling
0: it's really fascinating uh, i mean um Like has said that they don't make sequels, which is good, which means they're always going to be doing original stuff. And we won't see a sequel to Kubo or Paranorman or any of those other things. So that's really good, too. Um, Mm -hmm. I got a question. Did you see this in traditional 2D or did you go for the 3D glasses?
3: No, I saw it in the 2D because I hate 3D. (laughs) So
0: here's this thing. I, I typically don't like 3D either. But because of the time that it was showing at our theater, we opted to take the whole family. We went with 3D glasses. And you know nice. when you watch the trailer on TV or when you're watching it on the web, you can really see the stop motion-y stuff going on a lot. You can. To, there's in there's my definitely
3: mind. there's definitely points where you're like, wow, that kimono is moving a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, but putting those 3D glasses on, it seemed to lessen that 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 judder, that stutter that you sometimes see. And I don't know if it was just me or you know what, but it, it, or if they're really that good at the stop motion. But uh, there were times where it's like, I can't tell if this is a stop motion movie or not.
3: I, I had actually heard from a couple people uh, that the 3D really worked for this movie.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are some times like there are some uh, sword fighting scenes where that sword is pointing right at you and it's very cool. Uh, we, Like I said, we went with the whole family. Um, bef- the My oldest son, who's a nine, was kind of interested in the movie uh, before we went to see it fidgeted the entire time thought it was the most boring film he'd ever seen oh no <laughs> i know right because i'm sitting right next to him i'm like would you stop fidgeting he's like oh, i'm bored
3: i don't like just this not movie. Just to find your childhood <laughs> i know right
0: uh the five-year-old right before the movie started was like i don't know if i want to see this movie and i was like great we're gonna get get up halfway through this movie and leave because he's gonna be fidgeting around But he was the one that was into it as much, if not more, than I was. I mean, he was the whole story. I mean, it's a quest story. It's the hero's journey story, as Ashley said. He was into it the entire time. He sat there perfectly still, was quiet. Uh, There's a scene. So part of the quest is Kubo has to go and find this mystical armor uh, so he can fight this big bad. And there's a scene where one of the uh, armor pieces shows up. And he's like, that's the armor oh that's the armor yes nice. <laughs> and he's just like getting into it and the climax of the film the big special moment in the film the minute that the first element of that final moment appeared in J- and Ashley will know what I'll talk about and people who have seen mm-hmm. the film we're talking about he was like this is important oh <laughs> I mean, and that is way 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 early in the film when that element first appears yeah and, he, and he's so he's like oh man I need to explain to him what Chekhov's gun is uh, because he like knew and, and he just and when the other one appeared, he was like, Oh, keep watching this and then boom. And he was like, Oh yes. He was just totally into that. And I think that maybe upped my enjoyment as well, because here's a five year old that can really get the fun and the quest part of this of this movie. I, I He's
3: gonna be a nerd. He, he probably <laughs> is. And here I thought my oldest
0: was gonna be the nerd. And this one is more into fun and fantasy and imagination, where the other one's more analytical and well, math and sports.
2: You know, you know what's going to happen is later on, you're going to take him to movies and he's going to be like, are you going to be like, hey, buddy, what'd you think? And he'd be like, I thought it was derivative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, like, I just haven't seen anything, you know, that has impressed me since, since you know, Cuba. Moana's use of, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know. Oh, my God. No, I'm so excited so for that's Moana. Be the other one, I, am, I am very excited for Moana.
0: I yes. That's we're definitely all going to go see that as a family. And I want to see what their take is going to be on that. I mean, uh, it could be just as good because they have enjoyed all the other Disney stuff that we've seen. But um, I was just really impressed with how into the movie he was. He was the last movie he was that into was Frozen, so it'll it'll be interesting. So, what's the bottom line for you, Ashley? Should everybody go out and see this? How many uh, meatloafs do you give this?
3: Everybody should definitely go out and see this because it made a piddly twelve million last weekend. So let's do a little bit better by them, even though they are a tiny production company, um, for the fact that. The social justice warrior in me can't quite go along with all aspects. I'm going to give it four and a half slices Mm -hmm. of meatloaf Mm -hmm. out of the five.
0: Yeah, uh, our theater, we went to the two o'clock show. Granted, it was the 3D version, but it was the biggest theater, and there were 10 people in the theater, and four of them were my family. So uh, more people need to see this. And it looked like your showing was also empty, too.
3: It was was about three quarters full, um, which is... Not bad for L.A., but for opening weekend, you know, it's not great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wanted so much more from this. All right. Why don't we go and visit the land of the Power Rangers, Matthew, with a Mighty Morgan Power Rangers (laughs) (laughs) Annual number (laughs) 1, which comes out this week, I believe. Yeah, comes Uh, out from Boom Studios. Written by,
1: oh, pretty much everybody and drawn by everybody that it is not written by. uh, Because it is a collection of several stories. And I got to tell you, as someone who was around for the Power Rangers in 1993, I really liked it. Um, And that's, you know, starting things out. What this actually is, is kind of several fascinating takes on the things that we never saw in the 30-minute shows in the morning. Uh, The first story is literally a week in the life of Jason the Red Ranger and how incredibly busy he is. And the joke is that no matter what happens, he gets to Saturday, he sleeps all day, and then suddenly his communicator goes off calling him in for a mission. Um, I think the, probably my favorite story involves the Rangers being captured and Zordon having to call in two more teenagers with attitude, and I think anybody who's seen the show knows where this is going. Uh, we get to meet the orange and purple Rangers, mm. Bulk and Skull. Yes. Now, their mission is interesting, and I will say only this about their mission. Their memories get wiped at the end for a very good reason. Really, really fun story. There's something here that actually feels almost like kind of like a dynamite book with um, what's, what's the guy's name with the head and the face? Conan. Kind of a barbarian <laughs> story. But seriously, and it turns out to be the origin of Goldar, of all people. Nice. The, the flying uh, monkey lizard, thing. I think he's actually a sphinx. But it's this incredibly kind of vis- visceral story of fighting and, and uh, a martial society. And he's finally, he and his brother are finally called by Lord Zed to the front lines of a war. And then it gets weird. And then there's a lovely story where the Yellow Ranger is uh, having a garden party which is actually incredibly charismatic as well. There's nothing that really hits wrong in this book. This is all stuff that you kind of wish we might have seen when we were kids, or in my case, when we were 23, watching Power Rangers 20 years ago. And it's fascinating because I haven't been following the monthly series. It slipped off my radar, Mm -hmm. and sometimes my radar, once it's gone, I have no idea what day it is. But this is a really good book. I'm going to go with four and a half slices of meatloaf for Power Rangers Annual Number One, the 2016 Annual. The cover is incredible. The first page inset with uh, all six of the Rangers is incredible. This is a really, really good read, and I'm really impressed with what they've done with the property.
2: Excellent. Does uh there's a there's one there's a story uh, that has art by James Kachalka, right? Yes, and Kachalka's is, story is pretty funny too. Is there is. Is it a kitten inside the ranger's mask? (laughs) There is, there's no kitten and there's no punching of, of dragons. Okay.
1: It's also not his other book whose name you can't say out loud. Right. right, Yeah. But yes, it's really, really good stuff. I have to admit, I I was surprised at how well his style and how well the styles of all of these people came together and made it feel like it was all basically of a
0: piece in the same universe. Cool. And so how many uh, slices did you give it? Four and a half. Four and a half slices of meatloaf for the Mighty Morphin Power of... Rangers. Annual number one. I actually have a copy of this. They sent me a copy uh, early, and I was physical talking about co- it. Yeah, physical copy. Uh, they. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, I talked about it last week on Finally Friday. Um, but I agree with you. It's got a lot of good stuff. And, and the Bonk and Skull story, uh, I actually talked about um, one of the major spoilers podcasts when I reviewed uh, that first issue. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree with you. It's It's a lot of good stuff in there. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Out this week from DC Comics is Blue Beetle Rebirth Number One, written by Keith Giffen and art by Scott Collins. This is uh, not the story of one Beetle, but two Beetles. Jaime Reyes and Ted Kord are back, and the interesting thing is, and I don't know what's gone on in the DC universe to kind of reset stuff, but the last time I saw uh, Jaime, he was pretty okay with understanding his symbiotic relationship with the uh, Scarab attached to his back. Kajida. Yeah, the Kaji-Dai, right? Uh, He wants nothing more than to get this thing off of his back, and he's teaming up with Ted Cord, so Ted can find a way to, with the promise that Ted will get it off of his back. Uh, But that's not the case. Ted wants to continue doing superheroing stuff. And so I don't know. It almost feels like this is a year one story because we're introduced to all the old characters or some of the old characters that Jaime was uh, friends with, and we're introduced to, um, what's the girl's... um, Oh, I forgot her name now. But uh, um, the uh, mother who's the gangster,
3: you can you just yeah, yeah it's his aunt. Yeah,
0: yeah, It's her aunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you just did a, a geek history lesson on this, Ashley.
3: I know, uh, <laughs> I know. I didn't teach it though. <laughs> oh, okay,
0: but uh, but you know, she is revealed to be the big bad, which I thought this was all addressed in that in that uh, Raphael Albuquerque uh, run. Reaper. Uh, I know, right? And it's just weird to kind of. It feels like a point, you know, one of those Marvel point one issues or something. Um,
3: maybe it's reactionary to the fact that the new 52 series is not particularly beloved.
0: Maybe that's or, what it or is. or good.
3: Maybe well. that's what it is.
1: Um, well, Blue Beetle has had like five number ones and they all kind of sh- tread that same turf with a little bit more success. Well, hey, we're going to get then, another
0: re- mm-hmm. number one here. Uh, what in two weeks? Because this was Blue yep. Beetle Rebirth number one. We've got Blue <laughs> Beetle number one coming up. So uh, this is basically Blue Beetle fighting a bunch of uh, Putty Monsters, essentially, Uh, Wreck and Ruin, (laughs) I think, are the uh, villain names. Um, And while Ted does he team up with Red Beetle and Green Beetle and Pink Beetle? No, 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 no. Those are not existed in this story. Uh, But uh, Ted Cord's floating above in the uh, the in the bug, uh, trying to give direction. So it's kind of an introduction to these characters, and Jaime's real reluctance of I don't want to be a hero. I just want this thing off my back. Uh, kind of thing. So it's interesting in that point, and of course, uh, I, I love seeing Ted Cord back uh, in comic books. I'm not a fan of the look that Scott Collins gives Ted Cord, and this was maybe not Collins's fault because this was something that was established in that uh, horrible uh, uh, convergence series, where basically he's like this buff surfer-looking dude.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: and I'm not a fan of that look at all when it comes to my Ted Cord.
3: I like chubby Ted Kort the so best.
0: So do I. <laughs> or just you know a guy that looks more like your average schmo guy, and he looks like he's tw- he looks like he's two or three years older than this high schooler that we're following the adventures of. So, still like the story. I know. Still like the story. I still like the art. I think it's. I think we're starting in a positive dire- direction to kind of wash the bad taste of the last couple of years out of people's mouths. I say go pick it up because it is the start of a story and not just dropping you into here's the first issue. Um, so mm-hmm. I say go pick it up. I'm giving it four slices of meatloaf out of five. Blue Beetle Rebirth number one out this week from DC Comics. Rodrigo, you've got a uh, Dark Horse Comics, which is coming out, I think, in a couple weeks. Not this week, is it?
2: No, it's not this week. It's I think like it's two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. 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 Your favorite series. So, that's right. Are you guys ready for? to follow along the adventures of a small town doctor solving perfectly mundane crimes yes. who just happens who just happens to be a space alien what what yep that's right so uh this is the fourth the first issue of the fourth volume of resident alien uh the this volume is called the man with no name and and really it's it's interesting because we keep getting snippets of this uh basically the CIA or, or some similar uh governmental bureau getting more and more get, basically getting closer and closer to uh, our protagonist, uh Dr. Alien. Um <laughs> and uh this in this issue they actually make contact with one of his closest associates. Um and uh there's some pictures have come out that get around his like weird psychic filter so people have actually seen what he looks like and and some of those have leaked out there's not like mass panic the the, the bureau is also trying to to handle that um <laughs> but the majority of the book is kind of taken up by a weird smell around town uh, <laughs> it's it, I, I don't know it's like it's so weird to 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 get into resident alien it's always nice to come back to the book after some time because they basically do like something like four issue series and then there's a, a long break in between and then they go back um and it's it's nice to get back in and see this like because we can see the alien everybody else uh his like psychic right uh filter makes them seem human but we can see him so it's always weird to jump back in and see all these people be like hey doc and whatever like having conversations with this like purple alien um and uh but it's also interesting how much this book goes back and forth between like space alien stuff and like just like very very mundane human interaction it really focuses on like this kind of like small town life everybody knows each other he knows the mayor he knows the people at the bar he knows the people at the coffee shop and it's kind of like very often tied up with their lives um it it's it's a weird combination and it works you know um interestingly again because the news is tightening around um there have been talks about uh this being adapted as a TV show um and i wouldn't be surprised uh, if this is actually the volume they adapt, because it's the the, the first time the bureau is like, or whoever's like after him is like much more directly involved. Um, so it, it might be an interesting thing, kind of how they like the uh, the the Jessica Jones show that we saw was what like the third volume of Alias. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like in in this thing, I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of if they go for this one um altogether i mean the art is good uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of it um i'll give it uh, four and a half slices of meatloaf um it's it's resident alien back in full force by which i mean back in you know whatever uh, slow uh, small town force uh, you you prefer <laughs> cool, so with Jessica you. Fletcher thing going
0: on there yeah,
1: yeah. yeah
2: does he type at the beginning of each uh, issue um, uh, no, but uh, he does. I'm pretty sure he does keep a he keeps an internal journal of, uh, on some yeah, of, there of some kind. He doesn't write around a in computer a on a. And yeah. on a
1: blue screen at the end of each episode, he tells us the lesson that he learned. <laughs>
2: yep, doo
0: He is a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. All right. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Rodrigo. Thank you, Ashley, and listeners. If you want to check out more reviews, be sure to head over to MajorSpoilers.com. New stuff going up there each and every day. And one of the things that go up there each week is the Major Spoilers Poll of the Week. (sighs) Oh my gosh, this one sent in from one of our listeners, and I think it is going to be a a tough one.
1: It's going to be a barn burner. It's going to be the slobber knocker of the century. Which
0: female comic rock group rocks the hardest? Jim and the Holograms are Josie and the Pussycats.
1: No, Rodrigo. You know, both of them originated in the cartoon. Uh,
0: it doesn't matter. We're just saying. Okay, mechanics.
2: Rodrigo. Uh, yeah. Which so which group rocks
0: harder, Josie or Jim? Th-
2: this is a hard one, um, because if you go back to their cartoons, uh, there was a lot of music in those mm-hmm, cartoons. Mm-hmm. Like we mm-hmm. have actual evidence that is actual music of these groups rocking. Right. It's yeah, uh, not like for the longest time. Uh, with something like Scott Pilgrim, where you were just like reading along to the lyrics, and it's like this sounds like it rocks, guys. Does this rock? Does anybody actually know music? Yeah, I think that. Rocks. Like, yeah, like, I think it rocks. You would um, have rocks. until we until we got the movie much later, but uh, we know that in various incarnations, both of these uh, bands rock. I will have to just like very slightly give the edge to uh, Josie and the Pussycats. Uh, because I, although I haven't seen the Gem movie, I have seen the Josie and the Pussycats movie and they rock in that one too. And it's like, say what you want about it. And it's like, it's all the product placement and stuff, but it's like, it's got that edge to it. It's got that thing where they're like, yeah, this is a movie for making money, but we're actually going to do something for girls who want to rock. Like mm-hmm. there's something in that, of that mm-hmm. in here. Well, um, I've seen, seen the... Gem,
3: and I assure you, it does not rock. Yeah, it's that, a that was
2: so... that was my that was my general uh, assessment of from what I've seen of the movie. So, I I think Josie and the Pussycats edge out uh, Gem and the Holograms. So, in, actually, in my...
0: do you also go along with that then?
3: <laughs> I do, but I don't I don't blame that movie um, or the poor girls who were in that movie for that movie's demise uh also if you ever want to know how to use google earth that is definitely the movie to watch um i do go josie and the pussycats but that's just because for me archie will almost always win the day Mm. Um, I think Archie's fabulous in any and all incarnations. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, because I wasn't a child in the 80s, I didn't see Jem until I was a grown-up person. So I enjoy things about Jem, like, intellectually, and I appreciate a lot of the thoughts that went behind crafting that character and, like, why they do certain things. But I don't have that love that you have instilled in you as a child. Like, for me and and for my experience growing up, Jem was not something that transcended its... Uh, it, the era that it was created in the way like Josie and the Pussycats did, like the show was in mm-hmm. reruns on TV or you could still read their stories in the Archie comics at the grocery store, which is so tragic. We don't have that anymore. Um, yeah. And plus, they just race spent them all on TV. So that'll be cool. <laughs> so Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> uh,
0: it depends, I guess, on where you're at, because here in uh, in Kansas, you can still go into a Dillon's. And The Checkout will <laughs> have uh, Archie Comics there on the rack. Uh, right are yeah, the California, same ones they've had since doing? 1968.
1: Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. They, don't, uh, they don't
0: actually change them. I'm going to make this three in a row and go with Josie and the Pussycats mainly yeah. because I like the Josie and the Pussycats song that they sang on the on the movie. So there you go. Never a big fan of Jim and the Holograms for whatever reason. I think it's because my sister liked it so much. And, you know, yeah. if your younger sister likes something mm-hmm. that you Yeah, that makes it bad. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Matthew, it's down to you now.
1: We were thirteen when *Gem and the Holograms* came out, and that's an age where—well, that's an age where you—you love the things you love, and the things that you don't love, or even things that you're not really into or don't know anything about, you hate them, and they are awful. And I think that's why I I share with you that kind of *Gem* is terrible. Now, I have seen *Gem* as a grown-up, and I feel like the music in *Gem* is good stuff but a lot of it is 80s synth pop glam Mm -hmm, stuff mm -hmm, mm
3: -hmm. there is over 200 songs from that show too which you really have to respect (laughs) some of
1: them are phenomenal some of them are really great and some of them are just like (laughs) but when you (laughs) when you think about the stuff that hannah barbera did in the 70s and and god love it in josie and the pussycats in outer space by the way which was the third season of the show that's even better um just for the absurdity factor I'm really more into that it's not like an an electro folk kind of thing, but it's very much seventies pop that kind of evolves out of a a monkey's aesthetic. And having said the M word, I think, you know, (laughs) which side of the argument I'm on. I definitely have to make this a full sweep for Josie and the Pussycats for two reasons. One, I feel like their music rocked in a way that I feel ages better and is a lot more universal and also Valerie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cartoon Valerie was a big crush of mine growing up, and then they cast Rosario Dawson mm-hmm. to play Valerie in the movie. And, you know, I'm yeah, 26 years old, and I'm over. just
0: like, yeah. oh, Rosario Dawson, you're so pretty. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who, who was the who was Josie in that movie? I forgot. Um, Rachel, um, Lee, Cook. Yeah. Rachel yeah. Lee Cook. Something about her, I was like, yeah, she works as that. And then, of course, yeah. everyone else. Over yeah, in
2: there, Tara. Too. Terry, the the
1: last one,
3: Sharknado herself.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I love how self-aware that movie is about what they're doing, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they're like, "Okay, this is this is '60s concepts, and we're not going to change those concepts, and we're not necessarily going to mock them, but we are going to make sure that we get the humor out of that." And I feel like they were pretty true, Mm -hmm. even with the stuff that they did that was wacky. They were pretty true to the aesthetic, and plus Rosario
0: Dawson. Yeah, Rosario Dawson. Yeah. Uh, I, I would Cats, follow her off a cliff. Josie and the Pussycats came out in 2001, Rodrigo. I wonder if it made the BBC Culture's top 100 list of movies that have <laughs> come out in the 21st century. Oh, no, it surely, it you are,
2: it if, surely it must have.
0: If you are a Major Spoilers VIP or Patreon member, bonus episode coming your way. Be on the lookout for it, uh, where we will talk about that. Uh, Matthew, we have gone four I, for four with everyone saying Josie and the Pussycats. How has the rest of the Major Spoilers nation voted so far?
1: I've been watching this all day, and all day it's been 50-50, and then someone tips the balance, and then someone tips it back, and someone tips the balance. Right now, this very second, 51% leaning towards Josie and the Pussycats, 49% towards Jim. Uh, There's only 50 votes in the bag right now, 49 votes, kids. So you can turn this around for whichever one that you support. But most importantly, the arguments in the the, uh, comments are actually fun.
0: Yeah, Russ Katz says it's truly outrageous, uh, so we know right. where he voted. Uh, my younger sister always got home from school before me, so she had control of the remote, says Tim. I have seen every episode of Jim and the Holograms, and I have to say they rock way harder than Josie and her pussycats could ever hope to do. Oh, Tim throwing Ooh. down that, uh, yeah, throwing that the gauntlet.
2: sparkly yeah. gauntlet. Yeah,
1: the keister is ready to fight.
2: Um, you know what? Like ahead. One thing that Jim and the Holograms does have going for it really as a show is the Misfits because mm-hmm. a lot of the time oh, the
3: Misfits are everything.
2: The, the, a lot of the time I like the Misfits songs way better than the Holograms. songs song. are better. Yeah. Yeah, their right. songs are better.
0: Yeah. Uh Mother says I know this is uh most are going off the cartoons and comics book but the soundtrack for the movie Josie and the Pussycats is really outstanding. Uh it is. Yeah. Uh Wish You Well, Pretend to Be Nice, uh Real Wild Child, Three Small Words, plus Letters to Cleo did the music for the Pussycats. So there you go. Aubrey Peoples. Three
1: small Words covered the is holograms. An awesome song. Yeah. Just an awesome song from top to bottom. I, I would, I'm going to go and I'm going to put that on my
0: MP3 player tomorrow. There you go. Listeners, head over to Majorspoilers.com. Cast your vote. Archie, if you're listening, Archie Comics, at Archie Comics. Make sure people know about this. <laughs> yeah. And uh, IDW peoples, let your peoples yeah. know about this. Let them vote. At, at the gym. At the gym. Ah, yes. Uh, okay. Uh, this episode of the major spoilers podcast is being brought to you by tweaked audio. Hey, tweaked audio. They have been a sponsor, I think for like almost every year we've been doing this. I think they started in Hello, our first man. year and they are still here today. And the reason why we're happy to have them as a sponsor is because they put out a great product. So many different styles, so many different colors. Um, there, you're going to find something that's right for you. You need to head over to tweakedaudio.com and, uh, find the, find the one that's right for you. It'll work with any of your iPods, iPhones, Android devices, even a Zoom, uh, 575 of you. I met one of our Zoom listeners this past week. Uh, 575.
2: He had, a, of you. he had a horn in the center of his brow. I was, a f- I,
0: I asked him. I was like, "Hey man, what?" I was really curious. I was like, "What color Zoom do you have? Do you have the brown one?" And he's like, "No, I got the plain white one, but I still use it. He still listens to stuff on the Zoom." So uh, I was interested because it showed up on our analytics. It's like 575 people are listening on Zoom devices.
2: So That's cool. Do you, feel that, do you feel that the Zune was kind of the Betamax of the of that generation? Um, like it was actually maybe mechanically superior, but uh, never really caught on. Got swept under the rug.
0: Maybe. I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was superior though. I think from everything because um, one of my coworkers' sons got a Zune, and he brought it in, and I was looking at it compared to my. I think at that time the click wheel had just come out. Mm -hmm. and there wasn't really a comparison between the two. So, I don't know, but hey, all you Zoom listeners, good on you, and I'm hoping you're using a pair of tweaked audio headphones from tweakedaudio.com. Use the checkout code MAJOR, and you're going to get 33% off the price. That's tweakedaudio.com. Thank you guys for sponsoring this episode of the Major Spoilers podcast. All right, Ashley, I want to go back to a statement that you and Matthew had made when we were talking about... um, uh, the Runaways, and can you just slap a Marvel name on it or a DC name on it and people will come? And it got me thinking mm-hmm. Suicide Squad was number one again in the box office this past weekend.
3: Yep. Well, what I mean, what did it have for competition? Uh,
0: Kubo <laughs> and the Two Strings?
3: <laughs> yeah, but oh. uh, they, uh, they made a really great call, unlike Star Trek Beyond, with the weekend that they were going to release Suicide Squad. They have a good three, if not four weeks mm-hmm. where there's nothing just going on nothing out there
0: but i'm i'm wondering though have comic book movies become the same thing as people who just go out and buy their comics week after week after week even if they're not reading them all if if you know it's a that's, comic that's book movie have you just gotten into oh. the habit of just going to a comic book movie cuz you know it's a comic book movie
3: um mm. That's a little I feel like that's a tough question for everybody on this podcast because we're sort of obligated to yeah uh for for various employment reasons right um given the choice though I don't um I try to curate them, but I mean, it's also the thing where how long do you want to be left out of the zeitgeist like mm-hmm. there have been Uh-oh. several Marvel movies that I saw because they were Marvel movies, and I did not like. And then people turned around and tried to convince me that it was like the greatest movie ever made. And that's not hyperbole. That was told me about (laughs) Ant-Man. And I said, no. Um, You know, so I, I, but I think that there is, it's a thing of fan culture. It's not even just a thing of like nerd and geek culture. Um, of Like that blind dedication. And when you love something so much that you can't criticize it, like, and that's what I think is sort of unfortunate because like, I love Tim Drake Robin, and there are plenty of terrible yeah. Tim Drake Robin right. stories. Mm-hmm. And I'll still, um, I've read them, I probably own most of them, and I will own up to the fact that I did that strictly because of my dedication yeah. to that character, yeah. but I'll also tell you that they're terrible. And I think it's when you lose that perspective, or you you fear that like your comment will sully a brand that you don't own. Um, that's where <laughs> I think like things get weird, you know, we right. get weird about but, it. But, um, but at the
0: same time, I mean, you have people going,
3: oh, Marvel, you increase the cost of comics again by a dollar.
0: I'm never going to buy your comics again. And then they're down at the store that week, buying up all the comics yeah. that they normally
3: would have bought. Well, I mean, well it, then they're hypocrites, but, right.
0: <laughs> but there's something
3: with, else in play. The dollar is the number one thing to do. Mm
1: hmm. There's something else in play here. There are maybe a 100, 150,000 comic readers mm-hmm. actively reading comics. There are literally millions of people, orders of magnitude more people going to see the Marvel movies. And I think that to some degree, yes, part of it is that zeitgeist, that, oh, this is a Marvel movie, and those last five Marvel movies were really, really good. Yes, there are those of us among the nerd community who are like Marvel versus DC in the movies is going to happen for the and there are people who go and see these movies out of a sense of obligation. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. To but understand. I think there's, <laughs> I think I there's also uh. what I can make all sorts of noises. <laughs> that's okay. I just don't. Steven hates it, but I think that what it really comes down to is that in many ways, when we talk about a quote unquote comic book movie. The general public doesn't think about it as a comic book movie, or they don't even think about, does this come from a comic book? They think, ooh, here's this new movie, or even if you look at it and say, yes, I like these superhero movies, I think what it really comes down to is Marvel has given us enough quality films that, yeah, people immediately go, ooh, it's a new Marvel movie? I'm going to go check this out. I don't know what a Guardians of the Galaxy is but avengers was phenomenal iron man was phenomenal i didn't know what a thor was before thor came in and they're appealing to a much greater market than just the people who read comics or even have read comics in you know recent years so yes but also no because a lot of people don't care and moreover don't know Comic book movies, yeah. the way we describe them here on the show,
0: is—is is, uh Rodrigo is Ashley right in that uh Warner Brothers scheduled this at the perfect time to catch that lull and anything else that's really good in the theaters, and so now people are just basically going, well, there's nothing else to go see, might as well go check out this Suicide Squad that I hear so much about.
2: Yeah, one, it's it's interesting because. um Movies are judged by the amount of money they make, not by the tickets sold necessarily, although that obviously that factors into it. Um, But they're, yeah, it's like how many weeks at number one, how much money is being uh, taken in by this movie. Um, And which means that you can game the system, right? Mm -hmm. You can schedule a movie to come out to premiere at a time when it doesn't have a lot of competition, at a time when um it is going to run into or not run into other issues like specific holidays to uh you can schedule it to take advantage of specific holidays um so that's that's definitely one thing and and we've seen it here uh, you know in the major sports podcast we talk about that sometimes where um a movie will be like we're coming out on may 19th and then a competitive competitive a competitor movie is like, oh yeah, well, our franchise, which is doing a lot better, will also come out on May nineteenth, and they're like, uh, well, actually, we're gonna rush production and come out in April twenty seventh. <laughs> yeah, because you guys want to see it, right? So it's like it's it's interesting to see these companies stake out their weekends. Uh, sometimes like do like very frontal assaults on another franchise. Sometimes see their own projects conflict with each other and. Uh, bump a project especially when you have like movie juggernauts like disney Mm -hmm. that now have marvel and lucasfilm and disney stuff you can see them shuffling around their own schedule so that a marvel release will not conflict with a Mm -hmm. disney release
0: i don't know Mm -hmm. how much uh printing and advertising went into suicide squad all Um, of the money um, production production budget all
3: the hot topic budget
0: yeah, uh, 175 million million. So if you double that for the printing and advertising, that's uh, like 300 and something. 350. 350. Uh, the movie worldwide has made 577. So I, unless there is some point that's system more. that uh, Margot Robbie and uh, Will Smith are making on the ba- uh, before the uh, uh, before everything else is taken into account, I would say this movie's made some money by now. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I would say it's in the black for sure. Yeah. So. Uh, Eh, we'll see. Do you think it'll go one more week as the as the big uh, box office, uh, Ashley? As oh, the big yeah.
3: I, at least. At least. Or um, what
0: comes out go all to the way? Oh, I don't think anything comes out this week, honestly. I mean, I think yeah. we're really rushing to uh, Labor Day weekend. Uh, let me look here. Release schedule says this oh, that, weekend. Oh, that weird
3: boxing movie that Usher's trying to pretend like he's an actor and is coming out hands here of real soon.
0: Hands of Stone. I'd, is that the one?
3: I literally never heard of it, and then I saw it in the theater the other day, and I was like, what is this piece of crap? Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, so this weekend we have Don't Breathe. Which is coming out in a very wide That's release. Uh bad advice, by the way. Twenty nine hundred uh screens. Yeah, Hands of stone, Mechanic Resurrection. That's the uh what's his oh. name? Jason
3: Statham. Jason I Statham. That. Is, is it
2: good or not? It's
3: it's if you like mechanic movies, it's good.
2: Okay, all right, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, I was I was surprised to find out that there was a mechanic franchise. Yeah, it, it's, it's like,
3: like a nineteen seventies thing.
2: Mm-hmm. It's like they are calling this mechanic resurrection. Like it has to be a, a sequel, right? So I like looked it up and I was like, oh my god, there's like a mechanic thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't we wait have... for
3: the mechanic to fight the transporter.
2: Oh yeah. yeah, that'll be awesome. Jason
0: Statham and Jason Statham are face off. <laughs>
3: uh,
0: <laughs> The McCann's Porter. The McCanns, yeah. Uh, coming in <laughs> September, so this you're right. This may be the last weekend for Suicide Squad because we have uh, The Light Between Oceans, Morgan, and uh, Sully all coming up in the next two weeks. Oh, Sully. different audience
3: Ooh. though. All Oscar yeah. baity. Nothing mm-hmm. genre. Nothing kind of actiony.
0: Blair Witch comes out eggs, on the 13th. Though, uh, We're right on
3: that shift. Like, Tiff is going to happen and mm-hmm. right and then it's going to be nothing but sad movies for the end of the year. Blair and Witch, Harry Matthew,
0: Potter. coming out on the 16th. Are you going to be sitting I front know, row for that one? Blair, well, you know that I don't sit front row. And if I do go to the
1: theater, it'll be like a week and a half in, and I'll be halfway up no, no, in the middle.
0: Go, go to, um, man, like the AMC 20s, or, or just a lot of the theaters today have those big, comfy, wide seats that recline back and has got the footrest and all that stuff. I still don't sit in the front row. Oh, for Blair Witch, though, Matthew. And no. from what I heard, I if saw... If you sit I don't in the front a...
2: for Blair Witch, you will puke extra hard. You will
0: die. <laughs> Ashley, you haven't seen Blair Witch, have you?
3: I haven't. I'm trying to go see okay. it, though.
0: I heard from someone that... And it wasn't from studio people or movie people, but someone was like, "I've seen this movie, and it is much better than the original. It blows the original movie out of the water." Well, as I've far never scares the and really story cool, and all that though. stuff. The original movie was
1: phenomenal, especially for what it is. Yeah, they did not have a script.
0: Yeah. Uh, coming up, we also have Snowden, the Magnificent Seven remake, which I don't know. I'm not thrilled about seeing that.
3: Oh yeah, that that might be the only thing that could. Like, unseat Suicide Squad because oh, really? it's well, it's genre, it's a lot of like nerd stars, and it looks a lot more action y than mm-hmm. the original.
0: Mm-hmm. Who's that? So, is it like Michael you,
1: Dorn, uh,
3: Chris Pratt, Chris Chris, Vincent yeah. D'Onofrio, Denzel?
0: Yes, Denzel Washington. Yep, mm-hmm. and then there's also Storks, Beauty and the Beast. Oh, that's has gotta be a home release or something. Beauty and the Beast from Shout Factory. The heck? No, that's, that's a, live a live action, action. Thing. That's a live-action that thing. Show? That is not the, uh, it's not the TV show, and it's not the Disney live-action remake that's coming up. It's oh. straight out somebody saying, hey, I hear Disney's doing a live-action Beauty and the Beast. We better hurry up and get let's, there first. Yep,
2: let's trick your grandma into taking you yep. to the theater.
0: Yep, and then yep. Uh, we wrap up September with uh, Deepwater Horizon Masterminds and Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, which uh, also looks interesting. Wait, we saw the is trailer that for that three
1: movies, or is that one movie? Because I'd watch that one movie. <laughs> Miss
0: Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children.
1: No, it's, all those together. Oh, yeah. Deep ha- Deepwater Horizon, no. Fremist at Peregrine's Home. I would watch no. that.
0: Those are the big wide release movies that are coming out. There's a bunch of smaller stuff. Uh, oh, that oh, Queen of, uh, what is it, Kotwe? The. the uh...
3: Oh, Lupita Nyong'o, Disney yeah. joint. Yeah.
0: Man, I, I'm a softie. I, I like to say that, but I've never cried in a trailer, and I started crying during the trailer of that movie. <laughs> 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 Man. <laughs> It just looks so good, but it's, it's going to be a small release. It's from uh, Disney, but uh, it's not a big release movie on that, which is unfortunate. Uh, let's see. Who has Death of the Incredible Hulk? Who was watching that recently?
1: No, they just killed the Incredible Hulk.
0: Oh, I thought you were talking about that made-for-TV no, movie from the, the 70s. No, Bill Bixby movie from 1996. Oh, I was hoping you were talking about the Bill Bixby thing with the uh, Daredevil and Thor in it.
1: It had Daredevil, but not Thor. You're oh, thinking okay. of uh, well you're thinking of Trial of the Incredible Hulk. They're think, all yeah. the same thing.
0: They're n- mm. Were any of those you, movies good?
1: You do not Were any of those were any, any of those you, you don't.
0: Were any of those movies good?
1: Yes. Which one? Those movies were good. Actually, I think all of them were good. Now, mm. if you ask me, was their take on Daredevil any good? No. Their take on Daredevil was flawed from the ground mm-hmm. up. But the movie itself was really well done, and I have to admit the uh, the dad from that one kids show as Thor, Alf, entertained. Oh, yeah, Alf, Alf. <laughs> the dad from Alf played Thor.
2: Oh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think you should do that, Thor. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you should
1: do that, Rick Jones. I guess I'm gonna have to ask Catherine if I can lift my hammer. Hmm.
0: No. Okay. All right. So, Death of the Incredible Hulk. I did not read it. Yes. Um, yes. I, uh, so, what happened? I I heard that they I heard that they went through the will and uh, uh, it was, Rick, was uh, what's his name got uh, Amadeus uh, got uh, Jimmy Hendrix's guitar.
1: Yes, it was quite good. The thing about it is, this apparently was the secret crux of Civil War all along, Killing because the they had this whole thing of yeah, this whole thing of do you do you protect the future or do you fix the future? The telepathic future kid saw the Hulk killing the Avengers. Mm -hmm. And so the Avengers went to find him. And Bruce Banner, of course, had de-hulked all the other Hulks and was himself supposedly de-hulked. And they showed up and they confronted him and Hawkeye shot him in the eye.
0: Yeah, with a gamma radiated arrow or something.
1: Because Hawkeye and Bruce had had a discussion at one point and Bruce said, if you see me Hulk out, kill me which is the equivalent of if you see the Buddha on the road, I believe. But
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and he did. And then, of course, the question then becomes, A, nobody was aware of this agreement between Bruce and Clint. Nobody else saw him in any state of seemingly hulking out. And most importantly, they're the Avengers and they don't kill people, theoretically. So it's one of those moments where I I. I don't want to be cynical guy i believe that bruce banner will be back in some form soon enough you know five years from now how long has probably... uh,
0: how long have the fantastic four been gone who's gone in that well, wolverine's been dead for nigh on two years yeah but they old man logan though that's not the same thing and they
1: given the the wolverine suit to his clone daughter sister girl laura yeah yeah who's actually a better that's wolverine.
3: a that's a really good book
1: yeah so then, the question to me becomes: When they take out Bruce Banner, with other Hulks extant in the universe—at least two other active Hulks and three more who could Hulk out at any time—I mean, what? What? What are, what are? What are? What are? What are? What are? What are we? You know? What are we? What are we? I don't understand the question. Exactly. What do you think of them killing the Incredible Hulk? By which I mean killing Bruce Banner. But
0: isn't Amadeus Cho the Hulk now?
1: Well, that's what he said. Yeah. Yeah, but
2: he's the the, the, the scrumptious
1: Hulk. Totally awesome. Uh, I believe he's the emo millennial Hulk. Yeah. The Ryan Lochte Hulk. I mean... mean, (laughs) mean,
0: (laughs) What? He's got the hair? I I mean, it's a comic book death, right? I mean, haven't we come to... Haven't we become, as comic book readers, so jaded that the death of a well, quote-unquote major character is not yes. a big deal anymore? Unless it's Tim I Drake? It.
3: I will come over to DC, <laughs> and I will, the- uh, I will beg for the contract to write his rebirth.
1: But that's the thing. I mean, when you look at modern comics, they know that we know that they know that we know that death has become an incredibly cheap stunt.
3: Then stop and using
1: it. It, it. it didn't even start in 1993, but it sells. It sells millions of comics. Does it? Sort of a Jean Grey. Yes, it still does. Civil War II, number three, sold a ton of, of books. That month that DC sold all the comics in the known universe, the only Marvel comic in the top 12 is like Civil War II. Yeah, and I think it came yeah, out like yeah. number four or something. Yeah, because you know why? They killed the Hulk. And people are thinking, ooh, this dead Hulk, this is going to be worth money.
0: No.
3: Nothing is worth money if it was published after nineteen ninety unless it's walking dead.
0: <laughs> uh there's
1: books in there. You got there your are first,
3: there, are, the there are. But not not often. when I used to work at a comic book store in retail, speculiches is what we would call those people. <laughs> uh, and they were a nightmare because they'd be like, Mark Miller has a book. I need five copies of it. Speculches? No,
0: right. That's the
1: title yeah. of this episode. Speculate.
3: go. <laughs>
1: when I started working in comics, um, the the line of demarcation was 1978 or 79. Yeah,
3: that sounds about Nothing right. Nothing
1: after 1979 was worth
0: any money.
3: Wait, wait, wait! And, but I have the death of Superman still in the plastic. Oh, so do bag. I.
0: That's how I'm going to fund both of my children's to college. Yeah, they're worth like six bucks, but this is oh, they're going to go to
3: community community college. Not even that much.
0: (laughs) Think about this: when I
1: started reading comics in in nineteen fifty-five, when I started working professionally in comic sales in nineteen ninety-eight, Ms. Marvel number one was a quarter bin book. Uh, First appearance of Star Lord was a quarter bin book. That's where I got my first appearance of Star Lord out of the quarter bin.
3: Even Thanos.
1: Yeah, Thanos, The Rocket Raccoon, books that are currently worth hundreds of dollars were at that time written off as worthless because nothing after 1979 was worth anything. And then it kind of slid up to about 1987, 88, which was, you know, the end of the Secret Wars, Secret Wars 2 era. And then it slid up to 93, and it stayed 93 for a long time, because 93 was the year that all hell broke loose and there was a mighty crash and nothing was worth anything. And then Deadpool broke that. So, I don't know. I I feel like... Go ahead. I feel like when it comes to death in comics... It's not necessarily the creators, the editorials, the, the company's fault that they keep coming back to this because it keeps working and we keep buying it and we keep falling for it as a
0: whole.
3: Well, again, it's the vote with your dollar thing.
0: But that's the thing. The death of the well, human because it. But that's why I'm wondering, is that working, though? Because if – and I don't have the number in front of me – but if that book is like – Not the number one spot. Isn't that kind of an indicator that these kind of gimmicks are starting to fail?
3: You're still breaking the top 20, though. That's
0: that's that's true. I don't like that argument that if you're not number one, you failed. No, but I'm just saying that that's an indicator. Right. I'm not I'm not saying that it's hey, it failed. But hey, if we draw a curve of all those other deaths where they hit the number one spot and this one's not in the number one spot. Is that an indicator? Just like your gas meter hitting that E, you still have gas in your tank. You may still make it to the gas station, but you're starting to uh, get get on empty there. You're starting to run out. And I'm wondering if this yeah, is an indicator quit. of if it's if it's running out. When they murdered Batman in 2009, did you buy it? Hmm. When they murdered Batman in 2009. Yeah. Darkseid nah, killed. That, him that was that big story. arc. That was part of the big story arc.
2: There. Yeah. And then he
0: was a cave bat. Yeah. yeah. And he then he really was die. a He that. got sent back in time. But they thought he was dead. No, because in the find final... Out. No, until the final page where you saw him Tim scratching Drake on the wall. Tim Drake did not
3: think he was dead. Yeah. Tim
1: Drake never thought he was dead. That was Commandy scratching on the wall.
0: No, that was Batman. That was Caveman nope. Batman. Oh no. Yeah. No. Commandy's in the future. Did you buy the issue? Uh, probably. There you go. This is uh, five years later. And we've had... That's how many people have died in the, uh, in the Marvel Universe since then? Like 90 one, one, so how many years is that? 10 years, eight years, <laughs> eight years times, uh, times four. That's 32, that's 32 deaths. Marvel had this I exclamation.
1: Does not help your argument. No, no,
0: I'm just saying that there's been like 32 deaths to one Batman death, where Marvel that's is, they, Marvel's true. gimmick was, and they told us we're gonna kill a major character every quarter. And okay,
1: so let's take a step back. DC literally killed Superman four months ago. Did they? Yeah. How'd that yeah, sell? Yeah, but not
3: the good Superman.
1: Superman died. Superman blowed up. How'd that sell? He died. I don't know. How did the
0: death of Lois Lane do? I don't know.
1: How did the death of Blue Beetle do?
0: Blue Beetle's dead?
1: How did the entire Wait, which one? Final Night miniseries? Ted Cord was shot in the face in 2007.
3: Yes, he will. Yeah, but we're not talking about about 2007.
0: We're talking about eight years later, dude. (laughs) We're talking about nine years.
1: You're making this argument like that demarcation means something. And I don't know that it does. I mean, when you have these kind of stunts, when you have these issues, the readers are, we're conditioned to go, oh, well, again, this will never stick. But we still go and we buy the issue. Well, and that, the so books. that's my
0: whole point then about the comic book movies. Have people just been so conditioned that the comic book movie is this big deal that we're just going to go to it because we're going to go to it? I don't know. I will tell you this. The Hulk's Funeral was a really good comic.
1: Mm. The Hulk's Funeral was, granted, a four ninety nine comic but it was a really well done comic and it brought together the characters and a wide variety of characters from various eras who should be treated as Bruce Banner's family. And it freaking treated them as Bruce Banner's family and it treated it as an actual loss. And it tried to give us the gravitas of an old friend is dead. And now people get to deal with all this. And I'm like, is it really just that simple? Is it, if you enjoy this book, if it's a good read Does that justify them blowing away the Incredible Hulk? And I don't know, because I I really, really liked the issue. I loved the story. I liked the interaction with Amadeus. I liked the bit. Everything in it was really well done, with the possible exception of the comatose She-Hulk crying because she's comatose. Maybe she's just really sleepy. At least she's not dead. It seemed like she was dead. So, you know, poor war machine. Didn't even get
0: that. Yeah, poor War Machine. Or Goliath. Uh-huh. Um, anybody catch the tick? The Amazon series, the tick. I okay.
2: saw the I saw the trailer. I haven't I haven't watched it. There's only one episode out, yeah, right? Yeah, it's
0: only the pilot. They're doing the whole Amazon pilot season. There's three oh, episodes. Yeah.
2: There's uh, something called
0: uh, I Love Dick or something, and then mm-hmm. uh Jean Claude. Jean Claude, Van, Van Johnson. Yeah, Van Johnson, and then the tick <laughs> are the three that you have to uh to compare. Ashley, did you see the tick?
2: How do you manage Ashley to do this every AFK. time? What's every that? time, <laughs> every time. She sent a
1: thing that says AFK for oh, a second. Oh, sorry, I don't
0: have, actually. I don't have, um, I don't have the Let's chat. Skype up. Yeah, I don't okay. have. Uh, yeah, because I'm looking at them, so many other tick? things. It is not Patrick Warburton. Uh, it well, is no. an actor. What is his name? Let me look it up real quick. Um,
1: Patrick Warburton is like
0: sixty. Yeah. Uh, it is an actor by the name of Peter Serafinowicz, hmm. and uh, I'm sure they're doing some reverb and whatnot with his voice, but he does a very good deep hero voice, and yeah, it's that's really really Shaun good. Shaun of the Dead guy? Uh, yes, Shaun of the Dead, and also Star Wars Episode One and Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, he was Darth Maul. Yes, also Axe Cop. Well, he's not Axe. He Cop, was Axe but, Cop. No, he was a wizard artist. Uh, rabbit. Um, He's also in Parks and Recreation, if you watch that show, as Lord Edgar Covington. Yeah. Oh, I love him. He's blind Ivan in Gravity Falls. So there you go. He's got a long resume. And you know what? I didn't hate it. I was like, oh, this is going to be just like the worst thing ever because I've seen some other Amazon Prime shows and they're like, the worst thing ever. But this was not the worst thing ever. The biggest complaint that people have is that it's a little... Quote unquote dark. Mm. Um, but oh. I didn't, but it's only because, and I'm pretty sure this was touched on in the comic books that Arthur may have a uh, mental condition uh, because he saw his, his uh, father getting killed by uh, a supervillain. I don't remember that. And see, I'm, for some reason, that stuck <laughs> in my mind as something that had popped up in the comics at some point. Um, so that's mm. the real traumatic part. But the rest of it is, is really kind of pretty funny and pretty fun,
3: and I save think people for the just expected to be able to bring their kids to watch it, and then there's like yeah, syphilis, violent guy deaths of henchmen, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. No,
0: I don't think it's I don't think it's little kid little kid fare. Uh, in fact, who was I watching on Twitter who was like oh, I hear this tick is, uh, everybody's liking the tick. I think I'll watch down and uh, sit down and watch it and i uh, let my daughter watch it. And they hit the syphilis gun part and he's like, yep, this is not appropriate for a seven-year-old. So mm. um, uh, it is, I really enjoyed it and I want to see more of it. I, I really do. I don't think it is the the greatest thing ever made, but it's still really good. And the guy who plays Arthur,
2: um, God, what he's is what excellent. is his
0: yeah, yeah, um, that's that's really the thing. Griffin,
2: I have only, only, seen. Yeah, I've only seen the trailer, and I was like, man, did they nail that Arthur?
0: He is really good, and the cost, the 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 um, Arthur's costume looks really good.
3: It actually looks better than the Tix costume. I was not
0: a fan of the Tix costume from a distance. The Tix costume looks good, and I like how the antennas are moving around and everything. But when you get it's up, a,
3: it's, it's close, extra, it's dis- not very good. I was gonna say it's extra disappointing too because it was designed by the same lady who designed the Flash costume and mm. the Supergirl costume and like a lot of on-screen costumes that really, really work. Mm-hmm. But for me, it looks very much like overdesigned, like a lot of the criticisms that people had about New 52 costumes, yes. uh-huh. uh, which feels kind of ironic. Um, but I mean, other than that, I think it's, it's it also is a very short episode. And to me, it yeah. feels like the first the first act of a movie.
0: That's when it ended. Oh. I was like, wait, is this it? And I was like, this is only 30 minutes long. This needs this for a pilot. I expected it to be at least an hour and it wasn't. So I'm wondering, uh, Ashley, would you want to see this turned into a series?
3: Totally. I think it's going to get series because um, at a glance between I Love Dick, which is criminal that it's not a series about Nightwing <laughs> and uh, whatever the heck other nonsense Jean-Claude is. Jean-Claude Van of- Johnson. Yeah, I mean, just by looking at the trailers, like the quality and the world building in The Tick is like far mm-hmm. and away superior to the other two offerings that it's up against. And it's really cute that Amazon is playing this pilot season game with The Tick, but you know that again, like we were talking about with Hulu, like this is so reactionary to Netflix having now a collection of um successful superhero shows. Mm-hmm. And so this was a property that Amazon could afford. So we're yeah. gonna get at least a season out of it. I mean, they're not fooling anyone. <laughs> no,
0: I, I hope that it does. I thought it was I thought it was nice. It was just a nice, fun, light show. It's it's not it's not the nineties or the two thousand Fox TV show. It's certainly not the animated series. I mean, it's got some mm-hmm. stuff that is probably not kid friendly, um, but it was still better than better than uh Batman v Superman.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So did we see any other characters? No, it's just right now, it's Arthur and the Tick, uh, and you see the Terror, which is the bad guy played uh, by um, um, Rorschach. Jackie, Jackie, yeah, Jackie Earl Haley, Jackie, yeah, Yeah. Rorschach.
3: American Made is not in it yet, nope, neither is that not. Manuel.
0: Tragically. Neither is the uh, chair, or whatever
1: his name was. Chairface Chippendale. Chair Chippendale. See, <laughs> the, the deflator mouse Bat-Manuel uh, demarcation, I think, is really the way to tell your Tick fans. Because mm-hmm. Deflator Mouse and and Batman Well are basically the same character, both problematic in but, different but ways. But
3: Batman Well is such a better name. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. But Deflator Mouse, the, the way it works in the in the in the cartoon, the one joke is so worth it because the tick is doing his summing up, and he's like, "Arthur can fly. I have mighty strength. Deflator Mouse looks like a deflator," <laughs> and that makes it it's worth so that funny. joke. Makes it makes so it worth. Funny. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it worth the price of admission.
0: Somewhere honestly, I have the run of there's the There's something the first just run of the a tick. little.
1: Yeah. There's something a little bit about Batman. Well, that just my racism sends his tingling.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm. I don't know. I mean, Nestor Carbonell is a, is a fun actor and he does good things with that role, but I don't know, man. That's I don't know, man. And they called her Captain Liberty on, on the show, which was incredibly yeah. just incredibly generic for such a great character. Yeah. No, I actually, now you give me sewer urchin and I'm in. <laughs> yeah, the guy with the urchin on his face. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: definitely in the sewer. Yeah. We're gonna go in the sewer. God, I may have to dig that up. I wonder if that's available on Comixology, because I know I have a lot I of the original so. issues when they came out, and I know I collected the trade and I've got a couple of tick posters. Uh, mm-hmm. that I used to hang up when I was in uh, college. So yeah, I, maybe we need to review The Tick.
3: I think yeah. you,
0: you might could do, because... let's have look.
3: Didn't Burger King or some restaurant have The Tick animated toys? Maybe. Probably. Yes. Yes. I'm I pretty say... sure I had an Arthur growing oh, yeah, up. Yeah.
0: Why is he a bunny? <laughs> yeah.
1: Why is he a bunny? Yeah. He's not a bunny, he's a moth. He's a moth. And season one, voiced by Mickey Dolenz. Yeah. The drummer for the monkeys. So, you know, it all comes back around.
0: I think you guys should watch the it, Tick. It's uh, worth it's worth 30 We're minutes filth. of your time. We're filth. We come from filth. We're going to filth. We're filth. They're uh, filth, Arthur. One final question here. Best turtle. Who wrote that? Me. Oh, I'm going to say Rodrigo. Rodrigo. <laughs> yes. What is the best turtle?
2: One question has plagued humanity throughout its entire existence. Best turtle. Mm-hmm. So one, what do you guys, what do you guys think?
3: The one that's got its butt under the water stream and is really happy and dancing. That's on my Facebook like every day.
2: Yeah.
0: There's uh
1: <laughs> Raphael, yeah. man.
0: Yeah. Oh, you're talking about Raphael's Ninja Turtles? Or are you just talking I, about yeah, Turtles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about like Turtles. I'm like, well, Tommy Tortoise is pretty good. Uh, yeah. well, super, the, turtle. Uh, super Turtle. Super Turtle. And what's the, what's the Flash the terrific, Turtle? What's it? The- the terrific question. Yeah, what's, what's it? Yeah. The, the yeah, Flash Turtle. turtle I mean, the there's, a, there's a whole bunch there's, of Myrtle. The there's turtle. Gamera. Gamera, Gamera, oh, yeah. Yeah. Gamera is really... the best turtle.
1: No. Raphael yes. is the best turtle.
0: Gamera is the best turtle. <laughs> Raphael
1: is a ninja. He's a maverick badass who always rebels against authority, right? His mask is red, which is the best color. And he has <laughs> the red. sigh. And the sigh is like this weird—everybody can, oh, I have a sword, and I'm going to hit you with this stick on a rope, Plang, plang. But you got to be careful. You have to be a real techni- technician to fight people with a sigh. Those things are made to break swords. They're made to defang your enemies before you punch them to death with your big green knuckly. And also, also, why would a turtle have a Brooklyn accent?
2: Doesn't he he actually, like, wear a leather jacket? Yeah, at one point, a big leather coat and a hat. Yeah.
1: Cricket. You gotta know what a crumpet is to play cricket.
0: I'll have to go with my youngest. He thinks Raphael is pretty cool. Raphael is. But his second favorite is, is it Donatello that has the purple? Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. My his favorite. second, his second favorite is Donatello because he really gets a kick on Donatello for some reason. But... Donatello does machines. Yeah,
2: yeah. Your your favorite Ninja Turtle uh, says a lot machine? about you. Like a, a lot, yeah. A lot of the time, you know, people like one particular ex. Like a lot of people like Wolverine. A lot of people like, um, you know, it's like the kind of the, there tends to be this like kind of standout character from a given franchise. But with Ninja Turtles, like nobody is like, "Oh, definitely Mikey. Michelangelo. Yeah. There's lots of people who like Michelangelo, but lots of people like Donatello, which is uh in in a lot of ways kind of inexplicable, given like the like crazy personalities of at least two other turtles, right? but still, right. there's plenty of people who are like, No, I want like kind of like the quiet, nerdy one who uh solves every problem with a Deus ex machina,
0: right." Yeah, but the problem is none of them
2: run across the rooftops going...
0: (laughs) Yeah, that would be good. (laughs) Only Matthew I get that one. So Here's the thing, and we've we've said this
1: before about the show, but we've once again fallen into it. Steven is that Leonardo archetype. (laughs) And, of course, Rodrigo is your your Donatello. He's the genius who can defuse any situation with, like, uh, a kettle and some string. Then, of course, we have Ashley, who's Mikey, the young party dude. No
3: party party. Dude, I don't even drink.
1: <laughs> well, it's okay. I mean, all you really have to do is live in a sewer and eat pizza. And who
3: can't Oh, no, welcome that? to my Well, life. that's basically LA. <laughs> okay, how would you,
1: how would you feel if let's say you're walking down the street, right? You're in LA and some guy cat calls you, but you're a turtle who can hit him in the face with a nunchuck. Come on. <laughs> First of all, you know you want that. and then of course I get to be Raphael because Best Because they're always fighting with Steven. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. That's the thing. You got the leader who always has that, that guy who it's he has to, to clash with.
0: I'm trying to remember because... Um, I'll pull a Matthew here. Beak when I read the original issue. <laughs> it was all in black and white, so you really couldn't <laughs> no. tell who was who. And they all were drawn I, exactly and then they the all,
3: same. Didn't they all have, like, red... They um, did. Well, the, yeah, bandos on the in, cover in, in the first
0: color, in the, yeah.
1: first, in the first color treatments, all of their, their uniforms are red. They didn't get different colors
2: until the animated series, right? That's right. Yep. In the animated series, they were like, This is confusing, let's give yeah. them all a specific right. color. And that stuck so hard because really, yeah. that's when everybody got to know the Ninja Turtles, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It was yeah, an that's... animated series, that's when they really cracked into the mainstream. Yeah, yeah. So... and then
3: Venus de Milo happened. Yeah,
2: boy.
1: And then... Well, you got to give them credit. You know, Venus was an, an honest... It was a ham-fisted, unsuccessful... She had turtle attempt. boobies. <laughs> but it was an attempt. They were trying to do something. And it's kind of like, you know... For me, it's kind of like the Luke Cage theory. Those first 20 issues can be kind of embarrassing in the year 2016. But you have to look at what they were trying to do as much as what they actually did. The execution... Did not come together with Venus, but they wanted to have a character so that if you were a girl turtle fan, you could have a girl turtle. And and when you look at it from that perspective, yeah, it was terrible. And the girl boobies were bad because, for God's sake, they're reptiles. And also,
0: you guys need to go watch this video. Oh, super autoplay volume. There is a (laughs) um, go do a go do this search. It's this um, uh, world's biggest Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fan video where she has gone out and collected, like, everything Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to the point where she has original heads used from the movies. In the movies? Yeah. Nice. It's really cool. She's, like, a super fan. It's, like, totally, totally cool to see that, but also she's carrying around beheaded Ninja Turtle heads.
2: <laughs> has uh, Have any of you read the uh, Sophie Campbell Ninja Turtle stuff? I don't think so. The recent
1: stuff from IDW?
2: Yeah. i I'm not... it's it's really different. I keep seeing it, and I've never just like sat down to read it. But I, I want to say I heard somewhere that uh, Venus the Milo was actually in that, and it wasn't terrible. Like she got like really? kind of reintroduced into the hmm. the mythos. Cool. Wow, they must have had
1: to really fight to get Kevin Eastman to sign off on that. Yeah.
0: Speaking of uh, uh, comic book stuff, Ashley, did I hear that you've got another comic coming up? Or am I just um, just hearing things? We.
3: we... No, we have we had Jason Inman and I had something greenlit, but we haven't signed our contract oh, yet. Okay. So it's right. irresponsible to talk okay. more. No, about no, no. It. I just I'll tell I'll tell you off I, the air. Uh, no, I could have swore <laughs> I saw
0: something pop up on a social media something.
3: Yes, there and, there was a little a little happy tease about that.
0: Okay, cool. All right, well good good on that. When you can talk about it, please talk about it.
3: I will. (laughs) Uh, All right,
0: everybody. I think that wraps it up for this installment of the Major Spoilers podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing this episode with a friend. And listeners, if you found some value in this episode, please uh, throw a little bit our way by heading over to Patreon.com slash Major Spoilers. Every little bit helps. You can give as little as you want or as much as you want, uh, but it all goes right back into making Major Spoilers great and giving you new programming, new podcasts, new articles to read each and every day. Uh, that's gonna wrap it up for this week. We're gonna be back next time to talk about, I don't know, maybe the tick, because we know that you love comics, we do too. We will talk with you soon. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. I don't
1: care if the hulk could defeat the
0: Podcast is copyright 2016 by Major Spoilers Entertainment LLC.